bow your heads with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for inviting us into this space uh, as we get ready to jump into a holiday season. Lord, uh, with everything that pulls at us, all the distractions, I just ask that you would just invite us to just turn off the noise for, for just a moment. Help us to, to lean into you and, and, and your word that you have for us this morning and help us to leave this place reminded of the hope we have. Uh, Lord, we hold you as a treasure, but more importantly, you hold us as your treasure. Uh, and for that, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God holds you as his treasure. How cool that is. I have a question for you before I jump into the, the meat of the message this morning. Um, do you have a, a relationship or is there a person when, when you see them, maybe a little bit of angst kind of bubbles up inside. Maybe there's a little bit of anger uh, for something that they've done or worse yet, maybe some resentment and some bitterness has set in. So when you see them, it's just like it just has to come out of you. You're like, oh, right. Have you ever been there? Or maybe you are there right now. And, and, and how do we handle that uh, with love and kindness and grace? How would, how would Jesus handle that? And that's what I want to kind of jump into this morning. You see, maybe that person has treated you unfairly. Maybe they've done something to you that was just absolutely unjust. And, and, and we learn from a very early age, uh, when things aren't fair, we, we cry foul. We don't like that at all. That's not fair, right? So with the holidays coming up, I mean, I've seen this play out growing up. So I'm sure you have also, like when desserts come out, right? And there's you, the adult, that gets the, the piece of dessert. And then there's the little kiddo that gets the piece. And, and the little kiddo sees the size of the pie that you got. And they're like, what? Like, that's not fair, right? Or worse, when your sibling gets a bigger piece of the dessert than, than you do, and you're like, I don't think so, right? So growing up in my house, maybe this is the same in your house. Mom got tired of that kind of bickering between the siblings, and so what did she do? She says, all right, one of you cuts the pie, and the other one gets to choose which one you get. So you better believe we learned to like, right down the middle. Why? Because I am not going to let you, brother, get that bigger piece. Uh-uh. And if we do get that bigger piece, what ends up happening is maybe a tantrum ensues if they're young enough or, or all right, fine. You all have that pie. I'm going to get you later, right? Resentment, bitterness, yeah, just like, mm, I'm going to get you. We do not like it when people are treated unfairly. We learn it in an early age. We do not like to see innocent people suffering. We do not like it when guilty people seem to get off scot-free. And there was a number of the readings that talked about how, how is it that evil people escape God, right? And so that's the kind of thing that we're going to be talking about uh, for the next little bit together. I'm going to take you back to a trial that happened, a real trial that happened uh, a number of years back, and I just kind of paint the details for you. We, we, Reflect on it uh, every year or so, right around the anniversary, it comes back uh, and it's talked about all over the world because uh, as we look back now, we recognize that the person who was on trial was, was, completely, was completely innocent and didn't deserve it. Uh, so here we have this, this man who's on trial and the prosecution just comes at him with every trick in the book. They see the guy as, and they, actually what they do is they paint him as a, a liar, 
someone who just wants to outright destroy social values. They can't stand the guy, right? And so they come at him with everything. And there's people who can speak up on his behalf, but they're either afraid or they don't want to get their hands dirty, so they don't. And even when he's given an opportunity to speak, he's an innocent one. He knows he chooses not to. And lo and behold, a guilty verdict comes down and it ends up costing him his life. And somebody that could have done something about it to stop all of it still doesn't intervene. And at the day that he's executed, he's looking out across a bunch of people that are watching him and he offers up a prayer. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. The trial that I'm talking about is Jesus' trial. The execution I'm talking about is Jesus' crucifixion. And that is the ultimate act of unfairness that the world has ever known. And yet God allowed that to happen. And it's it's amazing to me how how Jesus responded in the midst of all that. And we can draw some lessons. He he doesn't allow bitterness. He doesn't allow resentment to set in. He, He doesn't. He has a heart for those people that are watching. He has a heart for you and a heart for me. And and you may be wondering, all right, this whole day is just whacked. Everything's kind of turned on its head. I mean, we even got readings as we're approaching Thanksgiving and Christmas a month from now. We're talking about Good Friday texts. How does that work? Well, you may know or you may not know that the church uh, follows a yearly calendar, and this is the last Sunday in the church year. We reserve it for a day where we call Christ as our King. And we anticipate Christ our King's return in the Advent season, which starts next week. And we're looking forward to him coming and calling us back home to him with heaven. But Christ is our King. And what we as Christians need to be reminded of is Jesus ascended his throne already. And that throne was the cross. Not a heavenly ornate, goldly throne. No, it was a wooden instrument of torture. That was his throne. And it was from that throne that the king is lifted up amongst his people. And rather than call out rage and wrath and bitterness and whatever, he cries out mercy and compassion and blessing. And he rains it down on the people who are there. And the question for everybody who encounters that story from here on out is how do you respond? to that kind of a benevolent king. And we can draw right out of the scriptures uh, how people respond to Jesus, King Jesus. I already talked about the power players in his day, the prosecution. They were really religious leaders that did not like what Jesus stood for. They did not like that he was a threat to their way of life. And so they wanted him executed. And they thought they got him. They thought they were winning. (laughs) <laughs> you, you think you're the son of God. You're, you're God's Messiah, the chosen one. Come on, buddy. Hop off that cross. Prove it. And there are people out there that they insist on proof before they will believe what Jesus did. Because it impacts their way of life. And if God is who he says he is, and what my way of life is against what he says, he, uh, you better prove that you exist before I change my ways. And then there's the Roman soldiers. Now, for a Roman, 
They see anybody that's not Roman as just outright dirt, not worthy of any kind of dignity or respect. And so when Pilate hands Jesus over to them to, as like a plaything, <laughs> right? they're a bunch of bullies, right? And they're going to just, all right, and then they bring out the whips, they bring out all these instruments to just mock him, and then they crucify him on there, and they're like, yeah, you're the king of the Jews. <laughs> Prove it. And so you have two groups of people that are responding to this benevolent king with just malice and just hatred. And then there's people that are watching who are maybe a little disillusioned with what they see. They're a little disappointed with what Jesus has represented so far. Because you see, they thought that this guy was going to be the one that was going to help him out. They thought that Jesus was, was by following this guy, that they were going to finally be free of that tyranny, just maybe even just having uh, an easier way of living. And isn't there a thought out there that if you follow Jesus, then your life is going to be good. If you're a good person, then you deserve to have good things happen to you. And when bad things happen to good people, uh, we revolt. And, and, and so there are those that lean into that kind of a teaching, that false teaching, and, and they don't understand that God does send his reign on the just and the unjust alike, right? He, doesn't, he sends sunshine and the storms of life. They come across all of us, right? And they don't understand what God is up to. They get disillusioned and disappointed, and they respond by saying, what so-called God of love lets bad things happen to good people? I just don't understand you. I don't have a time for you. I'm going to go find my own way. And they respond by allowing a wedge to get between them, a hardened heart to get between them and their Lord. It ends up being bitterness and resentment towards their creator. It's not a way we want to be. There's two criminals that are crucified with Jesus, one on his, on his left and one on his right, and they have some responses to Jesus. Both of these guys start out just like the crowds, hurling insults at him and saying, whatever, dude, right? One ends up having a hardened heart, and the other, as he sees things play out, his heart gets a little softer. So let's, let's take a look first at that one thief and how he responds to this guy, Jesus, as he sees him on the cross. He, he, he basically says this in the scriptures, hey, if you are who you say you are, save yourself and save us. You know what this guy on, the, on this side of Jesus is doing? He's basically treating God like a vending machine. You're my ticket to something that I need right now. Uh, I can get relief from suffering from you right now. Great. Why don't you hop off that cross and take me with you? I'll go live my life. You go live your life and we'll be happy. Right? And so it's basically this, God, you're my vending machine. Give me what I want. And when you don't give me what I want, I have no use for you. And so we respond by walking away. Thief on this side of Jesus has a softer heart as the day goes on. Why? Because he starts to hear the words that Jesus is saying. He starts to see what, what Jesus is all about from, from that cross. He, he, he understands his circumstance. He understands that this guy is innocent and he hears what Jesus is doing. Wait a minute. You're praying for them? You're saying, Father, forgive them? 
You're asking God for, for patience for them? I couldn't do that, he says. And yet here he is doing that. And then there's some other things that he's starting. He recognizes what Jesus isn't doing. He's like, wait a minute. He could call down curses and he's calling out for forgiveness. He could call down wrath and, and rage. And rather than that, he's calling out a blessing of mercy and compassion. And it changes and transforms that thief's heart right there on the spot. Lord, when you get to your kingdom, remember me. You notice what the thief is not doing? He's not saying, Lord, get me out of this situation. Lord, this is tough. Don't, don't abandon me. Lord, this is, he's not asking to be rescued there. He's simply asking for forgiveness. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly, truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. He says, I've forgiven you. He's saying, I'm transferring you out of the kingdom of darkness, all those with a hardened heart against me. And I'm transferring you into the kingdom of my son where is there is forgiveness and redemption. You are part of the family. You're part of the family. How do we respond to other people? Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are part of a greater family that Christ went to the cross for everyone. He laid his life down for everyone. There are some that are going to walk away and there are some that are going to embrace him. That's what the Malachi passage continued by saying in Malachi 3. He says, listen, there are those that feared the Lord and they began to remember what God said and promised and they trusted in the promise. You and I are being asked, do we trust in the promise? Do we trust in the work of Jesus on the cross? And if we do, has it changed and transformed our hearts? We have softer hearts toward those that do not deserve it. And no, it's not fair that we have to forgive when people don't deserve it. But guess what? We don't deserve the forgiveness that Jesus has given to us either. We want fair. We can't handle God's fair. Because every single one of us would be paying the price for our sins. And he leveled it on Jesus. And rather than call down blessings and curses, he rains out, excuse me, rather than call down curses, he rains out blessing for you and for me. What do we do with that? We remember that we are now ambassadors. We are in God's kingdom. We are ambassadors of forgiveness and there is power in forgiveness. And you know what? You may be getting together with some family or there may be some encounters that you have over the course of the next several weeks with others that where there's that angst. And I'm going to encourage you to, to forgive. I'm going to encourage you to just lean into the Lord and say, Lord, I can't do this on my own. Just help me not hold it against him. And I'm going to encourage you to forgive and do not let that angst dampen your celebrations. So don't let that angst dampen the resurrection hope that you have. You are a treasured possession of the son of the most high God. God laid down his life for you and he's sending you out to be ambassadors, ambassadors of his mercy and his grace. And so what does all of this have to do with today and why is the message at the end of worship today? I want the resurrection hope of Jesus Christ for you to be the last word. Jesus came for you. He came to rain down blessings on you 
in order to empower you and use your gifts to make a difference in the lives of others. And so what I'm going to do now as we get ready to wrap up church, there's going to be one final song. It's called The Blessing. It's the ironic blessing where the Lord bless you and keep you. We're going to have that song sung over you. And as you hear that song being sung over you, maybe you want to join your voices as you bless your family and friends around you with that same gift. But more importantly, let's go out into a world that desperately needs to see light and hope and be a blessing and rain down blessings on them wherever and however we can. Amen? Amen. Amen.